Hi, I'm Mike Thunder, and you probably remember me from my recent hit single, She Left Me on Red. But if I'm not out there podcasting or giving people the shiny wizard for some random reason, I'm thinking of you. Which you can call me at 1 900 Thunder. That's 1 900 Thunder. Because you don't need to wonder when you call Mike Thunder. Good morning, and welcome to the third edition of Mike World Order's Super Saturday. And as always, I'm your host, Mike Thunder, so you don't need to wonder. Today's show, if you remember watching parts one and two with uh, Starbuck, we mentioned that we were going to bring in the winner of the George Hackenschmidt Invitational Cup. And once again, as a reminder, for those who don't know, he is the wrestler known for being the first recognized world heavyweight champion in pro wrestling. And for all you powerlifters out there, he's the sole innovator of the bench press and the hack squat. Now, we actually had the show streamed live on Mike World Order on a private uh, session so people can see it. And the guy who stuck out the most was the guy who actually won it. And I remember seeing this guy before, and I was like, I couldn't put my finger on it. It's like, where did I know this guy? Like, just his wrestling and everything. And then it just popped in my head. He's been on NXT UK. He was part of the WWE UK championship tournaments, the inaugural one and the second one for the number one's contender. This guy has been all over the Northern Europe area. And hopefully one day we get to see him overseas in America because his wrestling style is very amazing, you know. And the guy has been a pro since 2006. That's when he broke out. But it's crazy because that's the year I graduated high school. I mean, how many people can say that, you know, before they even graduate high school, they're a pro wrestler? Trained by men such as Fergal DeVitt, now known as Finn Balor. And Paul Tracy, he's basically, once again, another one of those wrestlers in that Northern Ireland pipeline. Because when you think of Irish pro wrestlers, you already think off the bat. You're thinking of wrestlers like Finn Balor, Sheamus, Becky Lynch, Big Damo. All these, well, no, Big Damo's actually Scottish. My bad. always thought he was, but anywho. It's just an ongoing pipeline. And 
I think this guy is the next one. Like his time is now, especially watching his wrestling style. And before we bring on our guest, we're going to check out a highlight video of the winner of the George Hackishman Invitational Cup, the first George Hackishman Invitational Cup, the one and only Tucker. And for those who aren't familiar with his moveset, we're going to check him out. Back to the 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 back to the
that one angle he did that super duper kick gosh that damn i thought he took his wow the dude's head was just like whoa yeah that's some that was some good shit i'm telling you now once again before we bring on our guests i would also want to also once again a huge thank you to michael majalati over at slam wrestling finland to for having you know having this happen and forgive me, I'm very starstruck right now after watching that highlight video of our guest. Um, yeah, I heavily appreciate you for causing this collaboration to happen. Now, that being said, welcome to the show, the 2022 first ever George Hackenschmidt Invitational Cup winner, the one, the only, Tucker. How's it going, buddy? Hey man, how you doing? Good, 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 good. First off, congratulations on your win. Thank you, sir. So, going into the tournament, what what was it like momentum wise in terms of uh, how each match was up into the uh, the win? Um, so I think like maybe a week or two weeks before. Um, I was in Finland for the American Car Show, and I'd mix it up with some of the the Finnish guys, um, and I kind of realized then just how tough these guys were, and no matter how hard you hit these boys, they were going to keep coming. So, uh, leading up to that tournament, I was really I put it up a gear in the gym because I knew, obviously, a tournament being a tournament, um, I'm pretty experienced with the tournament scene, as you know. Um, that's kind of where I really started to make a name for myself. Um, but I knew these guys were coming for me, and I knew that I was going in there with Starbucks, with, uh, Starbucks sorry, who arguably throws the hardest punch in pro wrestling. In fact, I can adhere to that. <laughs> and now that I've actually <laughs> felt it myself, he 100% does. And I was absolutely rocked in that match. There was times I was like, is there two Starbucks in here? I'm pretty sure I can see two of them, but uh yeah it's very very hard but as you said there yourself uh like that video you showed before which was awesome by the way i've never ever seen that before and that was super cool to hear you made that uh and i said all the time and until you felt that kick you can't really understand it doesn't matter how big you are or how small you are 
it's going to put you down and it's as simple as that and it, it stood the test of time nobody's ever kicked out of that kick so and that's why i'm the winner of the george hackensmith tournament oh yeah like i i remember watching um and i think it was on the slam wrestling finland page someone had got like the actual photo of right when you hit it on starbuck and i was yeah. like Ooh. <laughs> I mean, you have some some lethal kicks. I mean, especially that spinning roundhouse. It, it remind me of shades of guys like Kofi Kingston, um, Virgil Devitt. Uh, I even go as much to say a uh, a young Minoru Tanaka during his uh, shoot fighting oh, days, because uh, that's some of your. I want to say some of your techniques. It, it kind of, I can see a lot of Minoru Tanaka for some reason. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but, I think I actually remember seeing that kick as a kid from The Amazing Red. That was the first person I ever seen do that. And I was like, that's sick, that's sick. <laughs> when, um, speaking of Amazing Red, would you consider um, someone of Red's caliber a, a dream match? If ever booked. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Oh, okay. So pretty much a lot of inquiring minds want to know. So what got you pretty much started in the business of having that drive, that passion for wanting to be a pro wrestler? So I, I always joke and say this, but like I just never from the first time I laid eyes on it. I just wanted to do it. it, and that was from the ways I think I was maybe nine or ten. I can't maybe nine. I think my brother actually introduced me to pro wrestling, and he's like, "Oh, this is super cool, this super edgy stuff." And obviously, the attitude era and stuff was going on at the time, and I just remember being mesmerized by it all and thinking, "This is the coolest thing I've ever seen." And I'm still waiting to grow up, man. So I still love it, um, just as much as I. Loved it then. I love it maybe even more now in different ways, I guess, because I understand it a little bit differently and watch it a little bit differently. But I appreciate it so much more because when you've been in there and you've done it, you understand how good these guys were and just how hard they worked to get that over. Very, very imaginable. Um, so seeing the different styles of wrestling you've probably seen have endured, what would you honestly say would be the more... And, and I, I don't want to loosely use the term, but uh, stiffest style of wrestling that you've dealt with. What was that, sorry? What would you consider in terms of like wrestling style, whether it's strong style or UK style or American style? Yeah. What would you consider to be probably the most stiffest in terms of like the wrestling style and technique? Like, I guess. Because uh, I've heard that. Oh, go ahead. Strong style and British style are very close. Um, British guys don't mess about, as you know. Um, they hit so, so hard, but in a in the best way possible. I think for me personally, in a match, when you're getting hit that hard, it just fires you up more and more. And it fires the crowd up. And the more the crowd get fired up, the more we get fired up. And then that's where things just get chaotic. But that's, that's what wrestling is, right? It's just chaos. But chaos that we love to watch and watch unfold oh yeah most definitely and um and i also noticed while uh, watching you as a fan like um 
I know pretty much training, dieting is a big necessity because compare your first WWE run to how you are now, seeing you at the George Hackenschmidt tournament, you was you was pretty cut up there, buddy. Like I was like, okay, he looks like a completely different man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One hundred percent. I think like uh when I started out and obviously everybody you watch on TV from like Hulk Hogan to even like nowadays like Drew Galloway and stuff, how big these guys are. I used to be like, I need to be as big as possible, blah, blah, blah. But then I started to realize that like guys like Neville, I had a really, really interesting conversation with Neville in and around the time, just after the tournament, I think it was. And as you know, he looks ridiculous. He is in crazy, crazy shape. And it worked out that I was actually heavier than him on a scale weight. And I was like, I cannot possibly be heavier than this man. He's got more muscle than I've ever seen. And that really changed my my approach to being like more athletic-based training, um, eating a little better. I sort of realized that my body reacts better to just like tons of meat and sort of less carbohydrate. I'll put carbohydrate in the diet when I need to, but I'd pretty much be more of a carnivore as such. And vegetables here now just to keep the fiber high. But the difference in my mindset, my... Uh, Clarity, brain function, creativity, just completely changed. And obviously my shape completely changed as well. So I might have been, I would actually be a little bit lighter than I was in the tournament, but I obviously, I probably look bigger just because my body's in different proportion now. Yeah, because I honestly thought you were bigger compared to like seeing yeah. how you were in, in the UK tournaments for WWE. And I'm like, this dude has put some crazy work in. I mean, even your profile picture. Um, at first I thought it was Tommaso Ciampa because he's another oh, one that man. pretty much changed his body. <laughs> like the comparison, yeah, like both he's... of you guys are, it's, it's insane. I mean, I, I cannot imagine your training and eating routine in terms of getting to that, you know, phase. Yeah, that's awesome. Cause actually, uh, is one of the guys who I look at and just think he has the perfect pro wrestling body because he's he looks amazing. He's a, a freak, freak athlete, and he's so, so intense. And that's that's free boxes I always make sure that I tick as well. I've never, ever blew up in a match. I never will. I'll always be sure to be in shape and realize that I need to be outworking every guy that I'm stepping in there with. But that's, that's a major compliment, man, so thank you very much. Oh, no problem, Mike. Especially me being someone that has come from a powerlifting background and have trained with bodybuilders, it's pretty much nutrition over everything. And um, yeah, but pretty much the first question I want to go into is uh, the <clears throat> the UK tournament, the the United States Championship tournament. This is pretty much your your first match. Um, what would you say would be like the backstory as to? how you got, you know, the call from WWE to participate in this, you know, this new thing that was going on. Because a lot of us, even over here in America, the first thing that came to mind was the United, you know, Kingdom Championship. We originally thought the European title was coming back. But, um... Yeah. That would have been awesome, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm, there's still rumor innuendos of, of that still happening, but, you know, going in that tournament, uh, leading to it, um... 
I, what I really want to say is what was your initial reaction once you got the call from WWE? Uh, so I had had a, a tryout maybe two, maybe two weeks beforehand and tryout went great. Everything, everything I could have done, I'd done. We actually, there was myself, Jordan Devlin, James Drake, uh, there was two other guys. I really can't put my finger on who it was, but it was supposed to be like a a, a five man scramble on Monday Night Raw, and Regal was actually telling us, "Look, you guys are going to get a, a six minute slot on Raw. We're all obviously ecstatic. Can't believe it. We're going to get a little bit of TV time." And obviously, as you said before, like WWE exposure is probably the best exposure you can get, the biggest company on the planet, and it was about. Five minutes in, we were all kind of sitting around. Regal was just talking about the business and giving us all advice. And John Laurinaitis came over and he called Regal over. And I remember just having this crazy, weird feeling come over me like, we're not going to get to do this match. And Regal came back and said, look, guys, this is how TV works. We need to give Braun Strowman an extra segment. Um, so we're going to have to cut the match, which was obviously crushing. But we all kind of understood that that's part of the business. But that would have been super cool as well. I think Neville might have potentially been in that match as well. And there was, it might have been Drew Gulak or something too, but I can't remember. I know there was two pretty big timers in the match. Or where there was going to be anyway. Wow, I mean, that's that's crazy. Before we get to our, our next question, uh, in the group chat, we got Basekip asking, on your shred diet, what is your calorie intake? Um, so I would usually sit in and around three, three and a half thousand calories most days. Um, but I would be very, very active. I would usually hit, and I say I coach as well, and I was a personal trainer on the side, but um, a major thing for people is getting your step count up or your activity level up as such so i would usually clock in about 12 to fifteen thousand steps most days and um, sometimes more sometimes a little less but over the week uh just be consistent that's the best advice i could give anybody is be consistent with your training and be consistent with your eating and obviously your sleep and stuff as well is super important and then um base kip also had a follow-up question with that he wanted to know in terms of eating fat proteins only fasting and he wanted to say thank you because he's on his own fitness oh. journey that's awesome um i always say this too like him for me to start was for sanity more than vanity and it, it still is for sanity but vanity kind of comes with it i guess where you end up naturally your body's going to change shape and that's the way it goes and obviously that's pretty handy because pro wrestling is a, a vanity business um Fasting, I would fast every day because I train at 6 a.m. every day. So I couldn't stomach food before then. Yeah, I basically get up at about 5.30. I'll have a black coffee and then get in the car, head to the gym, and I'll do my session. I, I just prefer training that way. There's no right or wrong. It's not like you can still train with food in your belly. It's absolutely fine. It's just at that time of day, in my opinion you're far better off fasting and you won't feel like any issues with digestion. 
And then when I eat the rest of the day, I find my food digests a lot better because my body is already in that state of it's been it's been hammered, so everything's kind of turning over, you know. Okay. And I remember doing times of intermittent fasting when training and much props to you being a heavyweight lifter. It's like, ah, oh, I got to eat something like uh, <laughs> every time yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's, I, I've, I got to eat something before I lift or do cardio. Like I'm the opposite. And, um, yeah, I used to do the whole black coffee fasting before working out. Cause I remember like Arnold Schwarzenegger and pumping iron. He mentioned he would do the exact same thing. So, I mean, oh, yeah. it works for a while, but it's like, I got to eat something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's amazing. I think the thing for me is that uh, because I train so early, I'm sort of finished the gym for nine, half nine maybe. And then I'll maybe do cardio later, but that means that I have all that extra time in the day to eat more food. So it kind of helps training early. I think sometimes the later you leave it to train in the day, that's where fasting becomes an issue because your window is so small to get your calories in. So if you're training at like six in the evening and you're trying to fast all day, I think it's a very, very difficult thing to do. I don't think I can handle that, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's quite a schedule, though. I mean, much, much props to you for maintaining that discipline, you know? Um, but since we're still on the subject yeah, of WWE... <laughs> it sounds like you're a glutton for punishment with these routines, man. Like, more power to you. I'm, I'm, yeah. I swear it is. <laughs> so, while we're still on the subject of, you know, being in WWE, then WWE yeah. came out with NXT UK's brand. And I remember, there you see the, uh, the physique right there. Uh, big change compared to... Yeah. The United Kingdom tournament. Um, I remember seeing you on an episode where you were going against the debuting uh, Jordan Devlin, a fellow Irishman as well, too. And uh, tell me, what was that like when that match came on? Because that match alone had a lot of good reviews from people. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was saying. Um, when it came to you being in NXT UK, I remember one of the first episodes yeah. I saw you on, you were going against Jordan Devlin, who was debuting. And I was saying a lot of people had a lot of good views about that match on that episode. And for those who got the Peacock Network, check it out. It's on there. But going into that match as well, what was it like, feeling-wise, that you know, you're going against your fellow Irishman on a, a global platform? It was super cool because uh, over the years, me and Jordan had wrestled a few times together and came up on the same sort of scene in Ireland. Um, he's a phenomenal worker, as you guys already know, I'm sure. And it was crazy because you were kind of coming back through that curtain and going for your feedback from Triple H and Shawn Michaels, which is ridiculous, you know, now that I'm saying it out loud. And I just remember them saying, like, really good job and sean put me aside and said like your selling and stuff was so good all the little work and all the little details and stuff like he was like great job and i just remember like jeez like i was waiting to be 
it's weird, like, no matter how good a match is, when there's guys like that around, you're like, yeah, surely they're going to grill me here. I've did something wrong, or it's not how they would have done it. But to kind of have positive feedback from those guys and be actually have them say that they were impressed or happy with the match, or actually say, like Sean actually pointed out, when I made a pin and I had to switch the grip because my arm was hurt. And um, he was like, that was just, that was great. You know, he really, really appreciated that sort of small detail. Speaking of uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels, um, what would you say would be like the best advice that they gave you in terms of, you know, being a wrestler and whatnot? Um, this is kind of something that I carry on when I'm coaching now as well, is that moves don't really matter. So like, there's so many guys now that can do so much uh, crazy cool stuff, but moves don't matter. And it's a... Uh, when it comes to the crowd, they don't care about moves. They care about how you make them feel. So if you think of your favorite wrestlers like Steve Austin or The Rock or The Undertaker, they didn't have a massive uh, arsenal of moves, but the moves that they did have meant something. And that's what I always try and say to guys that I'm coaching. Like, make everything mean something, and then everybody's going to want to see you. Right. In terms of your wrestling style and character, what would you say is probably the most unique thing about Tucker, the wrestler? Uh, the most unique thing about me is just sort of that fighting from underneath the underdog. So uh, if you've ever seen the movie Dodgeball, that was pretty much yeah. my life story. So I worked in a really crappy gym. Uh, one of my friends worked in a really high class gym. So we used to joke and call it Average Joe's, and then obviously that became my whole uh, whole persona for a long, long time. And then when when I was like first born, and this was probably drilled home in WWE, and you're probably sick of hearing it, but my mom and dad were told that I was going to die, and that I was like 12 weeks or 14 weeks premature, and they had 24 hours pretty much to say goodbye to me. And the next day they came in and they're like, I don't know how, but he's still breathing. We've been able to take the tubes out now. He's breathing on his own. And my mom always said to me, she was just like, from day one, you just, you refuse to give up. And that's kind of carried on my whole life. But I think testament to my mom, like she's a badass and she would still whip my ass if I ever stepped out of line. Hey, your mom <laughs> sounds a lot like my mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... That just goes to show, you know, the strong upbringing that, you know, we have these days, um, especially nowadays. And we're probably yeah. in that same generation age group. Um, how would you compare your generation to probably the next generation of wrestlers that are starting to get their feet wet into the system? Um, it's a weird one. And I, I kind of have to tread carefully nowadays and stuff like this, but sometimes certain places have it too easy. Um, in terms of like nowadays, if you go to a training school, the ring's already up. It's a really great facility. Um, you've got all these coaches at hand they ask questions to. Um, an opportunity is almost like given and not earned as much. However, on the flip side of that, some places are still doing a great job of that. We try and drill it home at the little school here at Titanic Wrestling at home. Uh, that's kind of like a little bit why I fell in love with Slam, because it's like a throwback to the 
the old school style of wrestling where it's so legit, it's so uh, so real. And like I can tell you that for a fact, stepping in there with Starbucks is it's up there. It's one of the realest experiences you can have, but in the best possible way. There is nothing like a match that feels like a real fight. It is, it's an incredible buzz, and you'll you'll probably not sleep that night because you're just like that was awesome. And I love just that scrappy getting smashed in the face and hitting the guy back even harder. And see, it's it's funny you mentioned that because um, I remember when we. I first chatted with Starbuck. It was after he did a show in Finland against Tajiri. And he had a black eye. And uh, yeah. he said, he said, anyone who says wrestling is fake is full of shit and don't understand taking one bump in the ring. He said, unless you take one bump in the ring, then you can answer the question, is wrestling real or fake? Which is true. Because when I actually took a bump in a ring, yeah, and I've mentioned it numerous before on past episodes of Mike World Order. The moment I landed, I almost took a shit on myself because <laughs> the impact it, it just uh After that, anyone who says wrestling is fake, I just say the same thing. Unless you've taken a bump in the ring, you have no say so of whether wrestling's fake or not. Yeah, I'm, hell yeah, that's that's so true. <laughs> Great. Yeah, true, true story. And it was at a little independent show, and you know, I'm thinking, okay, I lift weights, I got a strong back. I was like, I can do this. All right, here we go. Went for it, took a back bump, boom. And when I took the back bump, I thought because of how my body took the impact, I thought literally I was about to have to get a change of underwear. Because literally I felt that that's what the feeling you thought, the impact of it. Like if you're not prepared for it, it Fans, if you're not prepared for it, it's going to feel like you're about to take a crap in your pants. It's legit. <laughs> yeah, very much. Very much so. And now, you know, I know after a while you left NXT UK and you start working the indies, working for various promotions. And then um, we move on to you being in uh, Slam Wrestling. And uh, I've seen you in other independent matches, you know, going against guys like Big Demo. And um, there's this one match, if you guys see it on YouTube or whatever streaming sites you go on, there was one that stood out where it was a four-way match between you and Neville, who went back to being called, you know, Pac. That was, uh, that was, it's not often you see four junior heavyweight style wrestlers have psychology in a four-way match. Usually matches like that, it's spot fest, spot fest, who can outdo who. But that one, there was a lot of emotion and psychology in it. And I'm pretty sure a lot of ice packs the next day. <laughs> but um, as we get to Slam Wrestling Finland, um, to, to me, I'd say probably your biggest standout was, you know, being part of the George Hackenschmidt Invitational Cup and there we see you right at the, the bottom yep. of it. Um, and each week it was showing a profile on different stars and characters that were participating. And um, pretty much to me, I'd say, and it's not biased because I like Starbucks, but I'd, I'd have to go with the MVP of that tournament was your semifinal match 
with Starbucks. And yes, the uh, the the punch spot that you were talking about, I saw that as well too. It was like, oh, yeah. Tell us, <laughs> tell us how that match was like, just from start to finish. How you were feeling going into the the semifinals of that tournament? Because up until that tournament, most people just knew you as you know the wrestler from NXT UK. Yeah, yeah. So like, um, it's a weird one because I'll always be grateful for the the platform of WWE, but obviously on the independence is where you can really be yourself, and there's no restrictions, and there's no time frames or anything like that. It's a lot different. Um, stepping in there with Starbucks, I was like, I was anxious and excited at the same time. So I was, was like, really excited because I knew. Um, how hard he hits and how hard I hit and I knew for the fans that it was going to be a treat I also was uh, anxious because I was like God, this flight's going to suck tomorrow because I'm going to be black and blue and I'm going to have the crap beat out of me but this is why we do it and this is why we love it and sometimes when you're so buzzed and it doesn't matter how sore you are afterwards especially when you have a crowd that hot and just a match that sort of that match was so different to anything I've done this year maybe in the last two or three years, because it was just so gritty and so real. And that's that, like, again, I can't stress enough. That's why I kind of fell in love with Slam a little bit. Like the first time I was there, it is such a different product and it is a real throwback. And I am an absolute, I love throwback wrestling. I love old school wrestling. I love world of sport. I love, I love all types of wrestling, but I am a massive fan of that old school style. Okay. So um, before we, we talk about the finals, I know you mentioned of old school. Um, would you consider yourself a fan of the territory wrestlings in America, such as like the NWA with Jim Crockett promotions and, you know, Memphis wrestling with like Jerry Lawler yeah. and stuff like that? Yeah. Okay. Um, I actually watched randomly because I heard Ric Flair was coming back. And I've been watching yeah. a lot of him and Steamboat and that stuff. It's, it's still, it's ridiculous. And the pace that those guys go at is outrageous. Still to this day, it holds up. Do you know what I mean? If something's that old, I always kind of compare it to Arnold Schwarzenegger and bodybuilding because everyone knows who he is. And if you say bodybuilding, like most likely someone's going to be like, oh, do you remember Arnold Schwarzenegger? Because he was the blueprint. Yeah. He was. He's still the guy now. Even these guys on stage, he might be bigger and gone on more more juice than anything else but whatever they're they're still talking about arnold because his physique was so different and he was such a character and that, that's kind of like the same thing with the wrestling sort of side of things like the flowers and the, the steamboats and the dusties like those guys had so much character incredible time and then it just felt real when you're watching it you know what i mean and that's what we're looking for that's what's what's missing in a lot of uh a lot of the product these, these days I can definitely uh, agree with you with that statement. Um, and I think it's because most, like I said, nowadays people just want to watch a spot fest. And I think that's why a lot of wrestling fans, they start reaching out more to, you know, a lot of promotions in Canada and Mexico and the UK and Japan, because after a while you kind of get tired of the same old stuff. And I think it's funny. And I, I think you would agree with this statement as well, but I feel like, 
every wrestling promotion that's not American still has the old school way of booking and psychology and how to put a match together and the emotion and everything. You don't really see that as much anymore in today's modern pro wrestling. And I think because of that, people are starting to venture out into like watching different promotions around the world. Um, I mean, what, what do you think? Would you agree on a statement like that? Yeah. I mean, there's still, I say this all the time. It's like that old classic ice cream reference. There's so much, uh, like spot fest as such as what you're saying. It is so impressive in one hand, but it's like that to me, that's not pro wrestling. That's not what it is. But I'm, and on the other hand, I'm like, I can appreciate how athletic these guys are and talented they are, but it's just like, imagine if the right person had, like, if they had a mentor or a coach, you could be like, you could get so much more out of this. And these people could go home, like, they could be crying, they could be laughing. You want to take these people on the journey. It's just like, when you watch your favorite movie, you're not questioning yeah. anything that's happened in that movie, and that's the, that's the key to a perfect wrestling match, where you sit there and not one time do you question when someone hits someone, you should never question it. It should be laid in thick, and that guy should feel it the next day. Very, very true. And and speaking of like spots, I notice um, you know one of your moves is you know the Swanton Bomb, and sometimes you do it springboard, and um, probably, I guess the question I'm getting at is, um, are you a big Jeff Hardy fan? Um, I loved Jeff Hardy when I was growing up, for sure. Uh, Hardy's were a, a massive deal because it was in and around the uh, the triangle ladder matches with like Edge, Christian, the Hardys, the Dudleys, and all that stuff. I mean, that guy's still going by and considering what he's put his body for. It's pretty impressive, right? Oh, yeah, very, very. And <laughs> and he's never been a physique guy. That's the funny part. He's, he's, he's not the big gym type person. And it's it's crazy yeah. how his body to this day still holds up from doing all those type of matches. But I've always wondered that because I even noticed on some of the matches where you do it, you pretty much hit the Jeff Hardy guns and then, you know, fly out there. <laughs> so I always thought yeah, of that. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, okay, wasn't sure if it was a Hardy Boys tribute or maybe it was just you doing it your own way. But it always that kind of raised um, uh, my eyebrow a bit too. Yeah. So I always try and put my own own spin on anything that I do, but uh, the springboard one, I, there's a good chance I'm wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure I'm the only guy that does it from the springboard, but that's, there's a good chance somebody somewhere is doing it. That's pro wrestling. Every time you think you've done something creatively, someone's done it somewhere else. <laughs> but um, I mean, I've, I've seen it as a flipping senton, but not in that swanton style. You know, so I, I think you yeah. are one of the the only ones to um, do it in that way. Awesome. We'll put a trademark on it here and I. If it's said live, it's true. So back to the, uh, George, back to the George Hackenschmidt tournament. So then we got the finals where you pretty much became the eventual winner and everything. Now tell us how that was going into it compared to the semifinals with Starbucks. How would you compare the finals and the style of, how that was. I mean, obviously you won, but like, how would you compare the styles? Uh, so like, 
the final was just oh man, it, that dude is huge, crazy mm -hmm. strong, um, and I was still kind of rattled from the Starbucks match because it was an absolute scrap. So I remember just coming out and. He was like the hometown guy as well. So I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. I do feed off the crowd a lot. Whether they're loving me or hating me, it definitely is something that you need. Um, and then as soon as we locked horns and he just threw me, I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm in for a fight here. And then he, he threw me about quite a bit. And then I kind of realized that like, he's definitely a lot bigger than me. He's a lot stronger than me, but and again, like you're saying about the difference in my condition and how I looked, and this was my thing. Like I'm a massive, massive Rocky fan, as anybody is, and it's I would like that episode of The Simpsons. I like to compare myself to Homer Simpson because I've got more guts than brains, and it's just that fact of they can keep kicking my ass, but I'll keep coming back, and I'll come back so much that they're just so tired that they're like, "God, this guy won't die," and then. That's when they switch off for that one second, and that's when I land that kick and it's game over. Yeah, because once again, seeing that kick, that was killer. <laughs> I was like, that was, yeah. yeah. It, it looked like when, and I could be just over-exaggerating, it looked like the way you landed that super kick, it looked like you put all of your energy into it. Because yep, it looked like by the end of it, yeah. I mean, by the end of the match, you look like your your body expression felt like I just got done with the ass beating of my life and still somehow won. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's I it. Mean, Again, uh, that's definitely my mama's blood in me, just refusing to give up. Um, but I just I still remember just rattling him with that super kick, and it was like I'm pretty sure I felt this brain spill onto my heel. <laughs> I hit him that hard, <laughs> and that's when I knew as soon as that landed, I was like, I've, I've done it, I've got this, this is mine. Oh, uh, yeah, because literally, I watched it, and the moment you hit it, I was like, Ooh, I was like holding my jaw, like, <laughs> dude, oh, I was like, Oh man, that. Man, yeah. <laughs> you might as well say you got my food hurt that side. <laughs> Man, the super kick hurt around yeah, the world. Food, so yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. yeah I, I, it, it gave me mad Shawn Michaels and Marty Janetti vibes. So, yeah, more more power yeah. to you. But um. We also got a question from the group chat from uh, J-Rod Numero Uno, our co-executive producer. He mentioned, uh, do you have any plans for being part of the best of the Super Juniors in New Japan or any other tournament for different promotions in Japan? Oof. I, I would love to. Absolutely would love to. Um, Japan is something that I really wanted to do when I was younger and I would still obviously love to do it my uh, I was kind of it's a weird one because I was sort of like saving saving up for the Japan thing and it was obviously the big thing to do back then because that's what uh, Finn Balor done that's how he sort of made his name for himself and then everybody tried to kind of follow that blueprint and unfortunately I tore my ACL pretty close to when I was sort of trying to make a move to there and make it happen and then after the ACL thing I was busting my ass to get back to wrestling in general. Um, it was like a 
it was supposed to be 18 months recovery and I did it in 10 because I just really needed to get off that bed and I needed to be back in the ring and then everything kind of started to fall into place which is crazy because I remember my mum saying oh is that you done wrestling I was like no I'm honestly just getting started as soon as my knee's good to go I'm getting back in the ring and she was like I'm not going to be out of the show just to let you know I can't physically go and watch you after seeing what you've been through with the surgery and the next thing I got the email about the tryout and I actually funny you were talking about Big Dame earlier I had to actually email him and say is this a legit email because he'd already been there and he was like hell yeah it is make sure you're busting your ass and I was like don't worry I am and then obviously the rest is history and the tournament came around not too long after that wow that's crazy that's wow 10 months wow I mean, that just shows right there that drive you have of not wanting to give up and uh, not wanting to stay down. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's it's a good uh, a testament to pretty much, like you said, your mother's strength. Um, and I did not know about the backstory yeah. about you, you know, as an infant, pretty much was told 24 oh, hours yeah, to yeah. live. Yeah, I, I did not know that. I mean, I've seen your matches, but I didn't see, like, the promos and everything from WWE. Uh, me, I'm just more of a match person. I'd rather see the matches than promos uh, compared to how I was as a kid with the yeah. Attitude Era. Attitude Era was more six-minute matches and 20-minute promo segments. But I, <laughs> that's that's amazing, though. That's, yeah. that's really amazing. So... We're going to do a quick intermission. And then the second half of the show, we're basically typical guy talk. We're done with wrestling at this point, unless you got more stuff you want to mention. This is where we find out from Tucker, to the wrestler, to now Tucker, the actual guy. So before we do that, we're going to go ahead and play yep. one of your matches. From uh, I think it was the first round of the uh, the UK number one contenders tournament. It's you against Joe Coffey on uh, NXT UK special. The following contest, for one fall, is a first round match. In the WWE United Kingdom Championship Tournament. From Belfast, Northern Ireland. Weighing at 191 pounds. Tucker. First round continuing of the second annual United Kingdom Championship Tournament. And here comes a superstar with a very, very unique story. What I mean by that unique story, Tucker was born with just 26 hours to live. And now he's here trying to advance into the second round of the United Kingdom Championship Tournament. That's right, born eight weeks prematurely, wasn't given long to live whatsoever. He's always been an underdog for his entire career, though. Came back from a career-threatening knee injury to be stronger than ever. And his opponent, from Glasgow, Scotland, weighing in at 240 pounds, the Iron King, Joe Coffey. Joe Coffey brings two key elements to any match. Unyielding resolve, and he hits really, really hard. No question about it. Look how slow he takes walking down to ringside. He's in no rush. He knows what lies ahead of him. 
boy, is he ever capable of achieving it. Coffee lives by the phrase, ad majora nata sum, I was born for greater things. Let's find out. Well, Tucker, the obvious size and strength advantage, a 630-pound deadlift for Joe Coffey. Was that size and strength advantage clear to anybody watching this match? But one thing you may not be aware of is the super-duper kick of Tucker. Well, that super kick can come in in a bleak of an eye as Coffey backed up this time in somewhat of a clean break, and for... Coffee. He has battled the likes of Drew McIntyre, Cassius Ono, WWE Hall of Famer Kurt Angle as well. No stranger to big competition is Joe Coffey. You talk about big competition, that is Tucker. Last year's tournament, he hit that super duper kick on the eventual winner, Tyler Bate. He feels, had Bate not fallen to the outside of the ring, he would have beaten Bate and perhaps had the same success that Bate had after that. Well, talking to Tucker, he certainly thinks the same way you do, even mentioning he wants to become the face of the United Kingdom division, and certainly knocking off Joe Coffey here tonight, making it to the second round, and oh, it was the first step in doing that, is Coffey just using that strength to power Tucker down to the mat. Simple wrist look, with that size and strength advantage that Coffey has, even more effective. So you take a look at the size and strength you mentioned about Joe Coffey, so how does Tucker combat that in this first round matchup? Really, to me, he's just got to look for that opportunity oh. to hit a super duper kick. If he hits that, I think he can beat Coffey. And oh! oh! Coffee just mowed down Tucker. Coffee has a background in rugby, gave up a promising professional career in rugby, oh. actually, to pursue his sports entertainment aspirations. And we talked about, oh! Coffee, plenty of big match experience, looks to transform into success here in this championship tournament. As Tucker goes up, goes over. Tucker showboating a little bit, going all the way Whoa. to the top, and what a back elbow, taking Coffee off his feet. Nice. Cover, hook of the leg, Coffee out at one. Well, Tucker told me he's leaned down, dropped about 10 to 12 pounds, looking for a faster physique. There he was looking for it. Looking for that super-duper kick. Oh! But Coffee knew it was coming. And caught a pump kick from Coffee. did Tucker. Tucker continuing just to showcase his strength. Oh, big swing from the Glaswegian. Oh, and a suplex to follow up. Cover. And Tucker out at two. Butterfly suplex reminiscent of the great Billy Robinson. Coffey who's just used his brute force but does have that cunning technique as we just saw that mashup a moment ago. Oh, right back to the midsection. Tucker said he wanted to outsmart, Ooh. not outheart his opponent. Look at those fists from Coffee to Tucker. Tucker's barely able to get hands up to protect himself at this point. Those body shots landing. Ooh, that landed too. Oh, Tucker, I don't know if Tucker wants to get into a slugfest with Joe Coffee. He does not. No question about it. Ooh. Oh. Almost decleating Coffee with that uppercut. And now Coffee. Oh! More of that strength advantage, that brute force we talked about. Coffee seems to just be soaking it in right now. Well, Tucker is stunned. Go, 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 go. 
The Iron King looking confident as ever. But he's not rushing it, Vic. Doesn't want to make a mistake, doesn't want to give Tucker the opportunity oh. to hit that super-duper kick. Why would he rush it? He's enjoying right now what he's doing to Tucker. Just beating down the smaller opponent. Well, to play devil's advocate, he wants to get this over because at any point, as long as he hasn't beaten Tucker, Tucker can certainly beat him. Tucker already tried for that super-duper super-kick moments ago earlier in the matchup, and Tucker, right now, no position to hit any sort of super-kick on Coffey. Coffey has the straight jacket. In center of the ring, there's nowhere for Tucker to go. Tucker able to get back up for the moment. Trying to counter it. Oh, and Coffey pulling him right back in. Tucker trying to use the leverage there because he didn't have the strength advantage. And one jumping knee taking Tucker down. Certainly not where Tucker wants to be. With a bigger man with that sort of weight advantage. Oh, just wrenching on Tucker's coffee. Pulls him Ooh. out and a shoulder block. Oh! Just stomping right on Tucker's face was Joe Coffey. Oh! Oh, that caught him a little low. Oh, he ran right into that. Coffee again, fist to the midsection. Oh! A knee right to the spine. Coffee into the cover. Just a one count. Wow! Did not expect that, Vic. Tucker kicking out at just one. So is that more out of instinct? Potentially. Sometimes, as match goes on, sometimes you'll take a two count. Even that extra second is enough to get a little bit more energy back. Nice roll through by Tucker. And Tucker trying to get out of the gates of this matchup. Nice Hurricane Rana taking Coffee off his feet. And now Tucker starting to build a little bit of momentum in this first round matchup. Ooh, Tucker knows there is no tomorrow. One and done here in the United Kingdom Championship Tournament. Flatliner, Tucker into the cover. What? But again, referee in great position is another cover and another near fall. Great call from the referee. We see here, Tucker hit the beautiful flatliner. There, Tucker's yeah. leg is underneath the bottom rope. The referee saw it. That's why he did not out. Oh, well, Tucker all the way to the top. Oh, oh, oh Swanton Bob got caught. Coffee getting both knees up. Oh! What action we're seeing tonight. Oh, Coffee with that discus lariat. And Coffee advances. Your winner, in advancing to the quarterfinals of the WWE United Kingdom Championship Tournament at London Royal Albert Hall, Jeff Coffee. Take nothing away from Tucker, but what an impressive victory for the victor, Joe Coffey. Certainly a man to be contending with in the future of this tournament. Well, let's take a look. You see a man that oh, size man. with a beautiful dropping double leg. And then this, wham! Discus Lariat turning Tucker inside out. A dominant victory for the Iron King. And the Iron King, the latest superstar to advance 
in the second annual United Kingdom Championship Tournament. Coffee now moves on. That was a very solid match. I, I like how they uh, showcased you in terms of the commentary. That's that's what's up. Yeah. Uh oh, what? I think I think Tucker lost signal. Uh oh. Uh oh. I think either Tucker either lost signal or he might be back. But while that's going on, so far I hope everyone's enjoying the show. And this kind of reminds me when we did MWO Super Saturday 1 with Starbuck where he kind of lost signal. But, um, yeah. Keep bringing in your questions for, you know, our dude segment for the show. Dude's night in this coming Sunday. Time to be decided. Because I got to go to some Memorial Day picnic that afternoon. So it'll probably be that night. <clears throat> but while we're waiting for Tucker to get back or be reconnected, uh, could be connection issues. Just want to go ahead and plug in a few things. This coming June, we have Bash at the Beach 2, Thunder Boogaloo. Um, basically, musicians, dancers, singers, whatever talent you got, come on the show. We've already got half of June booked. So you still got time to put yourself out there for the second half. And during the month of June, we're also going to have an MWO Super Saturday 4. And then, of course, July, we have the Mike World Order, Great American Bash, Women of Power. So we'll be having that going on, too. And it looks like I think Tucker's back. Yep. Let's bring back Tucker Welcome back, mate. Sorry about not sure what happened there. Sorry, buddy. Could have been a connection issue, but um, yeah, we were mentioning how the psychology of that match, even though um Joe Coffee won the match, the way everything was set up and the fundamentals that were put together, it really looked like you was about to have that win. Had it not been for that one yeah. spot where your foot was under the rope. I was like, oh come on, ref. <laughs> But yeah. yeah, that was that was a nice yeah. solid match. Very, very good. So we got what we call now our dude segment based off of our show that we do called Dudes Night In, where it's basically guys being guys talking about the most random stuff. Pretty much it's guy talk to where you know shooting it with the boys. We have a plethora of questions from our very own base kip. So we're going to go ahead and start it out. Tuck, what is the best piece of advice Fergal Devitt gave you while training with him? And have you guys ever had a match that we can visually watch online? And lastly, what was your favorite Prince, Prince Devitt face paint during his time in the independence? <laughs> um, best advice... He gave me a lot, like, I would have went to a lot of his seminars and stuff in Dublin, and he was always very complimentary of my work and stuff, and so my <laughs> facials were always good, and at that time, I was always, anytime we were doing the seminars, anytime we had a break, I was eating something, 
and just trying to put size on when I was quite young. And he kind of, I remember him saying to me that he he really struggled with the same stuff. And he always laughed when he seen me with food. And he was like, keep doing what you're doing, man. And just keep eating and keep kind of putting the size on. And he's like, you're smashing it in the ring and you're you're always keen and your energy's really good. Um, I remember the Free Arena show in Dublin. He gave me a really good piece of advice that's really, really stuck with me to this day in big sort of arena shows. And that's something a lot of people never really tell you. But when you wrestle in certain venues, and you'll probably start to notice it now that I've said this on certain events, but the noise travels differently. So if you're in a massive venue, sometimes the noise travels out. It takes a little bit longer to travel back in. And you can't sort of stress or be like, why is the crowd not reacting? Because they are reacting. It's just kind of the feedback is a little bit slower. And that definitely is something that takes a little bit of uh, getting used to. All right. And then his his next question was, uh, have you guys ever had a match that you can visually watch online? And No, unfortunately not. It's, it's a guy that I'm still jumping at the bit to wrestle and I'm sure it'll happen someday but that's one I would definitely love to uh, love to have and then he wanted to know what was your favorite Prince David face paint ring attire when he was on the independence yeah I really I really liked the Joker one I thought it was pretty cool he had so uh, he had so many the Venom one was pretty sick as well um Joker or the Venom one, I think, are the my favorite too, maybe. Ah, uh, okay, okay. And then uh Base Kip also had one more look. <laughs> yeah, one more. He said, obvious question. Biggest dream match opponent for you. Oof. Um, so it used to always be Shawn Michaels, just because he was the man. Uh, AJ Styles would be a close second because I was just like I'm the second I seen AJ on the, the wrestling channel back in the day where he was wrestling for Ring of Honor and I just flicked it on randomly when I was like what is this this is like wrestling that isn't WWE oh, it can't be very good and then I remember being like this is mind blowing because it was stuff that I'd never seen and stuff that wasn't being done at the time and then AJ just knew that guy was going to be something special from then and there. And obviously, the the whole pun of, he's, he's phenomenal, but he really is, isn't he? So that would be like something I would definitely love to uh, love to do. I got to wrestle Paul London years ago, and obviously I've already wrestled him, but I would love to wrestle him on a, a bigger stage because he's just, he's the man. He's an awesome dude. Okay, okay. Well... More people from the group chat probably got more questions. I pretty much got a couple as well, too. One actually follows up with um, biggest dream match. I I have one. What would you say would be your biggest dream location to have a match? Whether it's the Tokyo Dome or the Superdome or anywhere in the world. Where would you want your dream match to be at? This is going to be really, really strange, but like, the, obviously, the Madison Square Garden is definitely one location. The other thing I would love to do is like, uh, be that big of a deal that you can kind of fill out a stadium or 
you know, like an outdoor event in Belfast somewhere that held 45 to 50,000 people, because that's something I'm pretty sure has never ever been done by WWE. And I think if I was to get back there, that's the kind of level I would want to be on, like a McGregor level, if that makes sense, like that kind of Uber over, like Steve Austin over, you know, where you could sell Arena out on just a name. I feel like that's something these days. It's a product now, right? Like, I mean, all these guys are amazing, but uh, there's very few mainstream major, major household names. And it's like, like that the Tyson Fury fight he had, I think it was 80,000 people just came to see him box. That's ridiculous. That's that's incredible. That's the dream. That's that, that, that is amazing. And uh, no, I, I could see ideally Madison Square Garden happening. I can see you know somewhere in belfast a uh a situation like that i mean you never know with with a platform like slam wrestling finland i i think they can eventually pull that off and you know hopefully we can be able to watch it on mike world order and pretty much root you on and everything you know so we also got another question from oh go ahead i know there is rumors of uh a slam wrestling streaming service coming in August. That's all I can really say for now. But going by from what I've heard, it could be something really, really exciting. And I think that could become massive. Just the exposure from a streaming service alone. And then again, just such a different product. And obviously just something different for everybody to watch. Oh, yeah. I was about to say, Starbuck did mention about that. And he just pretty much said, stay tuned. And I'm like, oh, I plan on it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, oh yeah. So we got another question from J Rod Numero Uno. He pretty much asks, "How was your overall experience in Finland during the Invitational Cup?" The oh, in Estonia for the George Hackensmith. Yes. Yeah. Uh, amazing. I was. I've been to. Estonia once for a stag do, and I loved it. It's such a cool place. And then, obviously, Starbuck had got in touch about the tournament and then going through in the American car show to the semifinals. So he was like, well, it looks like you're going to Estonia. And I was like, awesome. <laughs> um, really, really cool experience. Great people. Amazing crowd. Really good energy. And then uh, that live event, there's something about wrestling live with me that that I love. The UK tournament was live. Uh, I could be wrong in saying this, but I'm pretty sure NXT UK has never done a live show since that. But there's definitely something in me that can perform on a different when it's live. When it's live, I just feel like there's there's a switch in me that just goes off and I'm I'm just on a different level. Oh yeah, most most definitely. where would you say is probably the furthest you've traveled going to a wrestling show? Um, that's a great question. I know uh, I can't really say too much about it right now, but I'm going to be wrestling in Dubai at the end of the year. So that'll be pretty far. Um, I've did like 11 different countries, but my geography is still absolutely trash. <laughs> so... <laughs> Flight-wise, I usually like sleep or take notes or my missus got me a PS Vita 
So I'm usually like so transversed in one of those three things that the flights go by pretty quick now. I've kind of I've mastered the, the travel side of things that way. Not all the disasters, but <laughs> the uh, the flying's not so bad. Okay. So, what would you say is your favorite genre of music? Um, that's a really hard question for me. I listened to, like so much random stuff, so I I still listen to like Kid Rock and Liz Limp Biscuit from back in the day. Um, but then I'll still I'll listen to like Oasis and things like that. It, just, it depends on the mood. And my missus is like a massive uh, massive Disney mark, so I end up singing random Disney songs, and I don't even know what the movie is half the time. Random. <laughs> well, okay, so. <laughs> Usually Lion King or something. Oh, I was about to say, what, what's your go-to Disney song to sing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, Hakuna Matata is always good. Hey, good. no worries. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh man uh favorite movie another great question uh gladiator has to be up there for sure um talladega nights it's a little lesser known but it's a great movie uh, and dodgeball dodgeball has to be up there as well Oh yeah, dodge, dip, dive, dodge, and yeah, dodge. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh man, that's okay. I can I can see it. Honestly, I could see you more as being more someone into the the transporter series for some reason. Oh yeah, I've never seen it. I don't ever. know why. I, I got transporter vibes off of you. It's a great <laughs> movie. It's a great movie. Base kit mentioned is that Jason? Is that Jason? Jason yeah. Statham, yeah. Oh yeah. I need to check out that. Oh, most definitely. Like anything Jason Statham, like you can't go wrong with, especially the training. Yeah, because that's what got me into it. Oh my gosh. It's, it's, oh, it's dude. It's it's worth it. It's it's very very worth it. And um, let's see what what else random stuff we we can ask on dude segment. Because I know someone in the group chat's about to ask something that's probably going to be out of left field. But I'll I will go to say <laughs> most embarrassing moment, whether it's a show or at the gym, what would you say would be probably your most embarrassing moment? Comedic wise. Uh geez. There's definitely been a lot. There's been a lot. Um when I actually was doing my NXT UK run, and we used to kind of like hang out at night time with all the boys, I had the worst, I mean, the absolute worst luck you could imagine. I had it, and I have had it for years and years with traveling and kind of things going wrong that you just you couldn't even imagine. So I'll tell you a really quick but funny story. So the first... Uh, the first tournament, so actually before, I think it was before the tournament that happened, we had to go and do, like, get your bloods done, the car wash, which is just, like, getting your pictures taken, getting the videos taken for the promos and stuff for the show. Right. And it was in the 
really, really high class hotel called the Intercontinental Hotel. So it was like a five star hotel. And I was so anxious because my travel always uh always is a disaster. So I got there like three hours early just to be sure. So I get to the hotel, I give them a name at the desk. They're like, Oh, your your name's not on the list. So I start to panic. Like maybe it's because I'm so early and like three hours early and I explain that it's with WWE and they're like, yeah, yeah, there's a few names down here. What we will do is take a prepayment on your card, but we'll refund it when they get here. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's that's fine. That's no problem. So I go upstairs and get into the room and get settled. Now this room, <laughs> this room is ridiculous. And I don't know how I didn't clock it, but I was like, it's like, you press a button on the wall and it turns the shower on. It's just like, as high class a room as you can imagine, plasma TV on the ceiling, all that stuff, wow. right? And uh, I'm sitting thinking to myself, this is incredible. And I remember coming out of the coming out of the lift, there was like a little guy that came up to me and he was like, Can I take your bag, sir? And I was like, No, no, like it's okay. But he was he was taking my bag whether I liked it or not. I was like, Okay, yeah, no problem. And I remember having like when you done the UK shows, it was like, they were adamant, you needed to wear a suit and you needed to look the part. And that was like a big thing from Regal. And I totally agree with it because the boys looked, everybody looked awesome. And it's just such a, just makes everything so much more professional. Anyway, I ended up pulling what I thought was like 10 bucks out of my pocket. It was 20. I handed it to the guy anyway. I don't really care at this point because I'm in this room and I'm living my best life, essentially. <laughs> So about two hours go by and I come back downstairs and everybody else is starting to arrive. And one of the guys starts chatting to me and I was like, can you believe where's, like, how good this hotel is? And he turns to me and he says, oh, no, man, I wish we were staying here. <laughs> and my whole face dropped. And like you said, when you took that bump in the ring, that's pretty much how I felt. Like, I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? So... Um, I'm stressing, like, you know when you're so stressed, you can feel yourself instantly starting to sweat. I'm starting yeah. to sweat, and like, what's going on, what's going on? And then uh, Robbie Brookside comes in, and I get on really, really great with Robbie, so he puts his arm around, he's like, oh, what about your son? How you doing? Oh, where's your bag? And I'm like, oh, it's, it's already around the corner, you know, what we're doing, all this stuff. Oh, right, no problem. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's in the room. So uh, we come around the corner, and we're sitting, and Regal is kind of giving us like a speech about how he wants things done. This is all pre-tournament and what's going to be happening. And Triple H is going to be flying in. There's going to be a press conference. So all this really exciting stuff. But I'm kind of just thinking, how do I explain that I have checked into the wrong room? <laughs> and Jordan Devlin at the time was getting his wrestling gear made by the same person as me. And she lived really close to me. So... Belfast and Dublin are quite far apart. So maybe like two hours apart, I guess, not that far, but I ended up collecting his gear and my gear. And he turns to me, he's like, oh, have you got my gear? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's in my bag. And he's like, oh, have you been to the hotel? And I just like, I'm shaking my head. And he's like, oh, are you okay? And he like, we were pretty pally. So he like, puts his hand on my leg and he says, uh, man, don't be stressing, you're so good and you've got this, don't be nervous, just enjoy it. And I'm like, you don't understand what has happened, man. 
So the meeting starts and Regal's like, if anybody needs to go and get anything from their car or whatever, so I get up, fully sprint to the desk. I'm like, guys, I'm not staying here. <laughs> I need to get this payment taken off my car. It was like 500 bucks a night in this place or something crazy. And the oh. girl is like, oh, but you're already in the room. And I was like, honestly, I haven't, haven't used the toilet. I haven't touched anything in the room. My bag's sitting there. I haven't moved the bed. I haven't sat down. I haven't anything. So they're, they're like, oh, I don't know if we can do this. So I'm like, I'm going to go and get my bag. So I sprint up. I get my bag. <laughs> I'm coming back down the stairs. I bump into the same guy who helped me with my bag to the room originally. He's like, let me take your bag, sir. And I'm like, fight now. I'm like, no, no, give me my bag. <laughs> I don't want I don't want some guy like dragging my bag around and Regal seeing me have some guy like drag my bag around the place. So eventually I get back to the desk, get refunded, get sat back down and explain to Jordan and the boys and they pop like nothing else. Everybody's Sam Gradwell hits the floor laughing, like he's belly laughing on the floor at how stressed I am and how much I'm sweating. He's like, this is and like any of those guys who know me in NXT UK, I'll tell you, they're like, this could literally only happen to you. It was insane. And they got a handful of things of, there was a time there was a hotel gym. I got locked in the hotel gym. I got locked in pure gym. Uh, <laughs> he broke. I couldn't get into my room. It was ridiculous. There was something, honestly, there was something every week. But it was fun. It was a pop for the boys, but it was a disaster for me. <laughs> but there you go. I can tell. Oh my gosh, that is that is too hilarious. <laughs> Dang. I bet you learned that lesson. Today. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was rough. That was rough. But, but I mean, <laughs> at least you can say you felt like you were, you know, a WWE main eventer. You were, you know, you had that experience for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, it was intense. I'm just glad Triple oh. H didn't walk in. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, uh, yeah, he would, he would have looked at you like, what are you doing? How did you get to this wrong that place? Game, game, game sat and match right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, Tucker, I appreciate you coming on the show. How would our Mike World Order fans be able to reach out to you and see upcoming matches and dates for you? Um. So my Instagram and my Twitter is the same. It's at Tucker underscore UKCT. Uh, they're both exactly the same. I'll be truthful. You're better off commenting on Instagram because I know how to work it. I'm really bad at social media, really bad at computers, but I, I finally got the grasp of Instagram. Um, I've got so many shows coming up. I know that Slamfest, the road to the Slam Championship is on the 9th of July in Helsinki, and that's going to determine the other guy in the match. So with me winning the George Hagen-Smith Cup, I'm automatically in the first ever Slam title match, and whoever wins on the 9th of July will go on to face me on August 6th for the first ever Slam Championship and I would like to say I will be the first champ and it'll go nicely alongside that trophy. Hey. By any chance would you would we like would you like to come back to the show? Um oh, 100% man, before yeah. The, that was awesome. Before the pay-per-view, we we would love to have you back even if it's 
It could be just for like a dude's night in where it's just having a good laugh with the boys, uh, the rest of the crew. Uh, that's pretty much when we give them the night off just to be on screen and have a good chat. But yeah, we would love for you to come back, especially as we get closer to um, the pay-per-view where we hope to see you as the first slam wrestling Finland champion. Like I definitely look forward to seeing that. Yes, sir. All righty. Well, of course, Tucker, we appreciate you coming on. Um, hopefully we'll see you next time on Mike World Order. Fans, as they said, follow him at Tucker underscore UKCT. That's the one. There we go. Good man. That's the <laughs> one. Got a better chance of getting a reply on his Instagram than Twitter. So that's very true. Get the, get the Instagram at first. <laughs> awesome. oh, yeah. I'll try my best on Twitter. My message can help me out. <laughs> Oh, yeah, base kit mentioned. And that's another guy, if you ever need logos or anything done for T-shirts, base kit yeah. is a really good guy. They, okay, awesome, awesome. He's, he's created a lot of logos for our show. He's created a lot of logos for local indie wrestlers, baseball players. He's he's good. He's a good guy. We'll, we'll make sure you get taken care of. If, if you got a vision, Kip can pull it off. Awesome. That sounds great. All righty. Well, we appreciate you being on, Tucker, and we hope to see you next time as the champ. Thank you, sir. You will. I promise you that. I promise you that. Take care, man. Will do. We'll see you soon, brother. Yes, sir. All righty. Once again, shout out to Tucker. And once again, the people at Slam Wrestling Finland, thank you for letting us have this opportunity of bringing Tucker on. Fans, if you're out there, reach out to the guy. Follow him, retweet everything, repost everything. We want to see this guy make it. We want to see this man when he returns back on Mike World Order as the very first champion, just like he was the very first George Hackenschmidt Invitational Cup winner. That is a lot to say at one time. I'm Mike Thunder. This concludes MWO Super Saturday number three, and we will see you later on in the month of June for a special MWO Super Saturday number four, we're speaking of base kip. It'll be a base kip appreciation night because the guy has helped out so much backstage and helping promote Mike World Order. If you ever get a chance, find base kip on Instagram, follow him, give him a shout out. If you ever need anything done, check him out. Next week, we got on the first opening week of Bash at the Beach, Thirsty Thunder Tuesdays. We got Christina Sison returning as we're going to do our random five famous female wrestling matches. And then, of course, our opening night of Bash at the Beach, we will have coming in recording artist Sage Bay, who we might have possibly play a song. We're not sure yet. Hope so. And, of course, throughout the month of June with Bash at the Beach, we'll be having different artists, musicians, whether you're local or you're global. If you want to get your talent shown, contact me. We'll bring you on the show. Free advertising. Why not? Anywho, check us out on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and now recently Amazon Podcasting. 
And you can also find me at Twitter at MWO Mike Thunder or on my Instagram at Mike World Order. All one word. No special characters. That is my username. That being said, see you guys next time this Tuesday on Mike World Order. Good night, everyone. Well, good night for everyone on the other side of the country. It's still daytime here. I haven't had breakfast yet. Think I'm going to fix me a sandwich or something. I don't know. Steak. What do you guys think? Yeah? Let's go ahead with the closing critics. Ooh.